Thank you. You may be seated. Well, we don't have as many chapel services as there are Advent Sundays, so we're kind of combining some themes together. Tonight, we're going to combine love and joy. For the, the fruit of the Spirit is love and then joy. There's nothing that makes the heart more filled with joy than knowing that it's loved. Amen? So we're going to look at 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. But before you open, wait, we'll get to that a little bit later. I want to read the text to you, but I want you to do something. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to just listen to the text for a moment. And I want you to hear God's love letter. The Apostle John describes God's love this way in 1 John chapter 3. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. And Lord, help us to capture new insight about your love. We will spend the rest of our days learning how awesome and wonderful your love is. Teach us tonight, Lord, and let your love transform us. We ask in thy name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, I know I don't look like it, but in just a few days I'll be 66 years old and I don't look a day over 80, do I, right? <laughs> that means that I will have celebrated this year my 66th Christmas season. Now, I've got to tell you, I don't remember too much about seasons one through four, but my earliest first memory is of year five. That was a very, very special year. And I don't have time to go into details all that, but there's, there's something about that year that just really sticks in my mind. And I guess if I could sum up what happens for me as I think about a child at Christmas time, it would be the word anticipation. Say that word with me, anticipation. We don't really like that word, but we kind of enjoy it when it's happening. But it seems to me as when I was a child that regardless of what the almanac said, the longest days in the year, for those days between December 1 and December 25. And the longest day of the year when you're a kid is December 24th, right? Hurry up, son, go down. Hurry up, you know, hurry up go down. The magic happens tonight, go down. Anticipation. Maybe you can remember that sense of anticipation as well. I mean, we can all look back to the memories that are connected with the anticipation of Christmas, family, friends, decorations, good food, goodies, and presents. In our home, getting ready for Christmas was getting the Christmas tree. And when we were celebrating in the country, we'd actually go out on our own property because we had pine trees everywhere, and we would choose our own Christmas tree, cut it down, and all that. If we were celebrating in the city, then we'd do what city po folks do, and we would go to a Christmas tree lot and buy a tree. I don't know if they had artificial trees back then, but we never did. All of our trees were real, you know? And uh, we've got an artificial tree now, and I spray it with that spray stuff. Kind of smells like Lysol or Pine Sol, I mean, you know? It says, mm, that doesn't smell like a tree, that smells like a mop, you know? <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the tree was a big deal. Oh, man. 
And my mother was an icicle nut. Anybody remember those long aluminum foil icicles? Oh, they just get everywhere, you know. Oh, but mom, she, she placed those things one at a time. It, just, it drove us all crazy. We were standing there, icicle, 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 <laughs> you know. But a lot of fun memories of decorating the tree. And, of course, every year, you know, there's always some family story. And every year, my dad would tell the same story. You know, son, you were born in December, and you were barely a year old, and the next Christmas came around, and you put your first two words together, pretty tree. Wow, dad, I never heard that before, you know. <laughs> well, he told that story saying pretty tree made me a genius. <laughs> Maybe he was right, I don't know. <laughs> but it was just a special time. The anticipation of what would happen as we waited to enjoy Christmas together. However, Christmas has a deeper meaning now, and much broader and much deeper than it was when I was a child, and, and I really have to thank the celebration of Advent for that. Uh, growing up, I, I never, we didn't do that in our church. Uh, I, I don't think it was because we couldn't afford candles. I guess it just wasn't something we did. But when, I remember my first Advent service. It was actually after I was a pastor. And I found out, I remember learning about it in college, and so I, that sounds cool, I'm going to do that. And i got to tell you, as I began to prepare in my own heart for Advent and all that it meant, I began to have such a deeper sense of the real anticipation of Christmas, that celebration of his first coming, and looking forward again to his second coming. So whether we're celebrating his first coming as Savior or his second coming as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, we're reminded that the center of this celebration is the awesome, incredible, great love of God. Now, if you would, open your Bibles and let's look at 1 John 3, 1 through 3 together. And we're going to kind of walk through this text and capture the dimensions that are described in these key words that John uses in the text. Let's look at it again. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is well, the very first thing that John says to us is, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us. Two real key words here. As a matter of fact, this idea of a great love is not captured as well in the NIV as it is actually in the King James where it says, what manner of love? And if you look in the original text, the word is so complex and so broad that the only way you could really possibly translate it for sure would be to say, you ain't never seen a love like this before if you live in Tennessee. Or maybe if you're trying to be more academic about it, there just has never been a love like the love that God has and never will be another love as great as the love God has. How great is the love that God has given to us. And it kind of calls out then, the, in, in a way, the, the, the writer is saying, how then shall we describe it? it it's so awesome. I, I don't even know the right words to say how great the love is that God has. And then he says that God has lavished this love on us. Again, in the Greek text, it, it implies the idea of a benevolent, loving, powerfully granted, given with enthusiasm. God just, just wants to pour it out all over us. Now, let me see if I can tell you a little story to kind of illustrate what I think of every time I remember the word lavish. 
Uh, in the third grade, my father and I both got saved, and our, li and our lives were changed. Everything in our family changed, and my dad went from being an employee to having the courage to start his own business. So he started his own business, and my mom was his secretary. We'd get up in the morning, eat breakfast, take all the dishes, pile them in the sink. They head off to work. We head off to school. When I get home from school, my job is to clean up the kitchen, get everything put away, then get the table set for uh, supper, and if there's some simple dishes, to get them started on the stove. Okay, no problem. I'd been doing that on the farm, working with farm hands, so I was used to it. But the only one problem, I got home just about in time, for the Lone Ranger, hi-ho, silver away, okay? Now, I got to tell you, my heroes have always been cowboys, so I'm a cowboy nut for sure. So here I am, I'm turning on the Lone Ranger, and I'm knowing I got a limited time to get all this stuff done before my folks get home. And so on a commercial, I run in and get the bright idea, I'll run the dishwasher, uh, dishwater now dishwasher that was this <laughs> so I ran the water and I get it going and I go back and I'm watching Lone Ranger and I'm watching the Lone Ranger and I'm watching the Lone Ranger and I'm still watching the Lone Ranger and all of a sudden it dawns on me uh oh I run into the kitchen and the kitchen was lavished with suds they were all over the counter they were down the cabinet doors they were flowing across the floors I didn't get to see the end of that episode of Lone Ranger. <laughs> I don't know if he shot Tonto or not. I'm not sure what happened. But I knew one thing. I am dead if I don't get this cleaned up. Man, I worked as hard as I could. I got all that stuff cleaned up. The dishes were done. The counter was spotless. The cabinets were clean. The floor was fresh mop. I got the table set. And my mom comes in and she goes, Son, what have you done? This is awesome. You think I'm going to tell her about the Lone Ranger? <laughs> you bet you, Mama. You can count on me. <laughs> you get the idea of lavished? I mean, it's just all over, man. And God loves you and me so much that he's not wanting us just to get some fuzzy feeling. He wants us to be totally permeated and transformed by the love that he has for us. So verse 1 kind of tells us, first of all, how this love is received. God just willingly, powerfully, benevolently, lovingly just pours it out on us. But it has a tremendous effect on us. The results of receiving this love, notice how great is the love the Father's lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. And the reason the world doesn't know us is they don't know Jesus. So they don't understand why we act like we do. They don't understand why we love what we love. They don't understand what motivates us because they don't understand the love of Jesus because they've never had the privilege of having it lavished upon their lives. We have been adopted because he loves us. We've been adopted because he chose us. This thing is weird. This love is so unique that you cannot perceive it if you haven't received it. Think about that. You can't really perceive it if you haven't received it. And then you're going to spend the rest of your life, rest of your life perceiving just how awesome it is. Notice the Apostle Paul explains it this way in his prayer with the Ephesians in chapter 3. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. Adam Clark helps us here. Let me read to you from his commentary. 
It's only by the love of Christ that we can know the love of God. The love of God to man induced him to give Christ for his redemption. Christ's love to man induced him to give his life's blood for his salvation. The gift of Christ to man is the measure of God's love. The death of Christ for man is the measure of Christ's love. Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Oh, how high and wide and deep and broad is that love. God loves us so much that he gave us himself by sending Jesus. And Jesus loves us so much that he gave up his life for us for our redemption. So John's right. What manner of love is this? How do you describe that? What kind of words can you use that really envelop the depth of that love? But as they say in the infomercial, wait, there's more. (laughs) Verse 2, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Think about what John is saying here. He's saying God's love is so powerful that he not only forgives us and adopts us, but he is continually transforming us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Paul makes it plain in the book of Romans that that's the predestined purpose of God, that we should be conformed to the image of Jesus. And when Jesus comes again, then we'll have a full understanding of all that that means, and God will complete his redemption, and we will say, anticipation. It was worth the wait. We can hardly wait for that final fulfillment of our redemption. But good news, it's already started. We don't have to wait till we die or to the second coming to experience this wonderful transformation. John writes in verse 3, Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Once again, Adam Clark helps us here. Let me read to you from his commentary. The apostle does not here speak of any man purifying his own heart, because that's impossible, but of his persevering in the state of purity into which the Lord has brought him. The words, however, may be understood of a man's anxiously using all the means that lead to purity and imploring God for the sanctifying spirit to cleanse the thoughts of his heart by its inspiration that he may be perfectly in love with him and worthily magnify his name. In other words... Once this love has been lavished on us and God begins his transforming work, making us more and more like Jesus, not only do we love God more and more, not only do we obey him more and more, not only are we more sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, but our inner heart's desire is to glorify and magnify his name and be all that Jesus wants us to be. Why? Well, John said also in his gospel, we love him because he first loved. Us. Wow. What a motivation for life and love and service. You see, it's so important that we understand God's love as a transforming love. Jesus taught in Matthew 5, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And God wants us not just to know him, but eventually live with him forever and to see him for who he really is and to understand all that he wants to do in our lives. So we are justified and sanctified by God's gracious mercy and love now in this side of heaven to be completed in glorification. For now we see him with our eyes of faith, but when he comes again, we shall see him face to face. And what a glorious hope that is. What a Christmas that will be. Amen. A few years ago, one of the dearest people in my life, she was my very first Sunday school teacher. Her name was Mama Suggs. 
She had a first name, but I can't remember it now. I just called her Mama Suggs for so many years. Mama Suggs loved us. She was my Sunday school teacher in third grade. It came time to promote. We went to the Sunday school superintendent and said, we ain't going if Mama Suggs ain't going. Back in Tennessee, you understand. And so Mama Suggs got promoted. Then it came time for us to get out of juniors into junior high. We went to the Sunday school superintendent and said, we're not going if Mama Suggs ain't going. And Mama Suggs became the junior high leader. You can't guess what happened in senior high. Now we're really brave. We definitely are not going if Mama Suggs is not going. We were more mature, you can tell. Mama Suggs became the senior high director. And I left Bible college and went and held a youth revival where Mama Suggs, in her late 60s, was still the youth leader of that church. That's the power of love. She loved us so much, we didn't want to be separated from her. And you know what happens to us when the love of God is lavished on us? We love God that way. We don't want anything to separate us from his love. And good news, Paul writes, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad? I don't want anything, creating anything fuzzy between me and the Lord. I want to I just love him until he says to me, do this. And I say, lovingly, Lord, I can't wait. Now, Jesus shows us in his word how we freely receive that love. And he's shown us the results of that love, that transforming, purifying love that just changes everything about us. And so that brings up a good and final question. How then shall we respond to this love? I want to give you three things to consider. The first one is this. You need to believe that Jesus really loves you. If you haven't heard it before, I want to tell you a lie that Satan loves to whisper in our ears. If God really loved you, that wouldn't have happened. How many of you have ever heard that lie? The only thing that overcomes a lie is truth, and truth is connected to faith. And my faith tells me whether I believe it, whether I understand it, whether my circumstances seem to reflect it, there's one thing I know for sure. God loves me. And because he does, no matter what I'm going through or what I'm facing, all things will work together for my good and his glory. So what have I got to worry about? Just stay in his love. And if you really believe it, and you understand what that love calls us to do, it calls us to a life of complete surrender. So surrender your heart to God and let his love continue to transform you and ask God to help you love him more and more so that the heart's cry is, oh God, I want to be more like Jesus. And the third way that we should respond to this is share the love of God with somebody else. It's just too good to keep to yourself. The reason Jesus came the first time was to pay the penalty for our sins, and he's coming again the second time to take us to be at home with him forever and ever in heaven, and there's lots of people that don't know that, and they need to know it. So allow me, if you would please, for these next few moments to guide you through a time of prayer where you and I can apply these three responses to the love of God. Bow your head with First, I ask you today to believe the word of the Lord with all your heart and to thank God for his great love for you. Would you do that right now? Regardless of how you feel or the circumstances you're facing, 
Believe that God loves you today. God has said, I love you with an everlasting love. Paul wrote, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Take a few moments and say, Lord, I believe with all my heart that you love me. Believe him and thank him for his love for you right now. The second thing I want you to do is to surrender your heart to God and let his love continue to transform you. Ask God to help you love him more and more and to sanctify your heart that you may become more and more like Jesus. Be willing to pray this prayer. Lord, I do not want anything to hinder your purifying and sanctifying power in my life. I completely surrender to you. Be Lord over everything. Help me to stay surrendered to your will each and every day of my life. Enable me to live in the power of your Holy Spirit. Would you be willing to pray a prayer like that this evening? Lord, I surrender my heart completely to you. And lastly, would you be willing to share the love of God with someone else? To let them know that they are the reason Jesus came the first time and that he's coming again. But between those two comings, he will be with us forever, Emmanuel, Savior, Father, King, Counselor. Ask God right now to place someone on your heart that needs to hear this good news from you. Is there someone in your life that needs your forgiveness? Is there someone in your life who needs to hear you say, Jesus and I love you? Would you promise God right now that with his help, you will go to that person during this Advent season and share his love if he helps you to do so? finally, I ask you to thank God for the assurance that he has and is answering your prayer because he loves you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Now just imagine with me for a moment what would happen if all of us right here at NBC, just, just us, what would happen if we took this seriously and allowed God to use us to show and share his love during this Advent season to as many people which he gives us opportunity to love. If we would believe with all of our heart that God so loved the world, including you and me, and that person that God has brought to your mind. And if we would surrender to the purifying power of God's redeeming love and become like Jesus in such a way that we would help people understand the real reason for the season. And if we would not keep it to ourselves, but just give it away every chance we get. Just think what might happen. So I want you to say this with me. I believe it. I surrender to it. I will share it. Let's say that one more time. I think there's a slide with that on it, isn't there? I believe it. I surrender to it. I will share it.
Stand together with me, please. I would like to share this benediction with you from the book of Revelation, first chapter. Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Go in the power of his love. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.